This is a Seattle Mama Doc podcast, and I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. I am so excited to be here with Dr. Rob Lehman. He's a New Yorker. He's moved all around. He even got to live a little bit in Hawaii. Then he went to med school out east. He did his residency in Colorado up in that very thin air. And then he moved to Seattle back in the 1980s. But the guy, like, I just met him, and I'm here to talk, really, about sex. Thank you for joining us. What a great topic. <laughs> I know. This is, this is an amazing topic. I think what we're going to – so let me tell you a little bit about um, Dr. Lehman in general. So he's an adolescent medicine physician who's really he, – he told me that you know he knew why he wanted to become a pediatrician because he loves kids. And it took him a while to figure out where he really fit. And I think lots of us feel like that in healthcare. Um, we kind of – some of us feel like we've got little artists in us and we've got little parts of us that are really important. And I think Dr. Lehman – maybe I'm going to call you Rob as we go call forward. Okay. But he found his place really both with teenagers, but with really in helping talk about things that are difficult to talk about. In fact, his main job has the title Great Conversations. So as I roll out the red carpet for you and you join us here on Seattle Mama Doc, I just want to say I think we're going to have a great conversation. And even though we're just getting to know each other, we both care so much about helping the world, kids and their parents and those who love them, them, those kids, understand more about puberty, more about sex and ways to talk about it. Um, so that it's not so submersed and underwater like I think you and I both feel the culture has has left it. Right. Okay. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> um, uh, one should never use one's own personal experience as an anecdote for making recommendations. But, of course, most of us <laughs> come from families that did not talk about much of anything. Yeah. Um, and we can all remember truly embarrassing, horrible moments in our upbringing when it came to do with anything remotely to do with sex. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I don't – it's funny. I don't have a – I can't – like, as you say that, I don't recall – I mean, I remember probably the most uncomfortable conversation I remember was really like having to ask my mom to get a bra. I'm just yeah. like, she hadn't brought it up. And I was like, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> not because I actually needed it, yeah. but because I actually wanted it. So, yeah. And well, for me, it was discovering a tampon on the yeah. sidewalk. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> and um, I was about 10. And I came home. I put it in my pocket because I thought, what oh, an God. awesome show and tell at dinner time. <laughs> so I waited until the middle of dinner and said, everybody, check this out. I took out the tam- tampon and threw it out on the dinner table. My older brother was hysterically laughing and said, you are in such trouble. And I was oh. thinking, oh, my God, this must be something terrible. My father could not speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he left the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure. Too embarrassed. And what did your mom do? Like, did she, did she, she save her, the day? She shook her head. She was the educator in the family, as is an, often the case in families. Yeah. Um, and uh, she was actually a psychiatric social worker, really, really oh. good at interviewing and talking. And she would nail me every time I came home from school on the big interview. But um, she shook her head in that particular time and said, uh, I think I should have been talking to you about this before now. 
Yeah. Well, that brings me to what I was telling you before we started, which is, you know, I'm a mom to a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old boy, uh, both of them. And I was saying to you, like, oh, like, I'm doing such a bad job. Like, I don't know what conversations I should have had by now. I don't know exactly what to bring up about puberty and about sex and about love and about sexuality in that we talk about it with the events of our lives, right? So I'm pretty open. But I haven't followed any kind of script that says, oh, shoot, like they turned five. I need to have made sure I've brought up this, that, and the other. Or he just started third grade. Like, have I ticked off the conversations about touching yourself and masturbation and um, sexuality? And what's, you know, I think I've covered what a lot of parents cover, which is good touch, bad touch, stranger yeah. anxiety type stuff. Sure. Or not anxiety, but, you know, stranger danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but the intricacies are 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 different than that. There are so many opportunities to have really, really short conversations uh, about any of these topics. I think a lot of parents fear, you know, the hour-long dissertation on any subject, and they feel uh, awkward and incompetent at doing that. But in fact, there are so many opportunities in what happens in your neighborhood, what happens in the family, what happens on the news, and Unfortunately, what happens on the internet, which yeah. is so available to seven and nine-year-olds, um, if they're given access to the internet, it's hard not to. No, no, no I know. I mean, yeah. they do. Mine, my get access to the yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They live in, in. They don't live in a bunker yet. I know. No, you know, I know. But um, so um, I think um, one thing to make parents feel a little bit better is if a subject arises, your boy or girl asks a question. They don't want a long answer. They want a simple answer, and you answer simply. It could, yeah. it could be a sentence. So let's um. So let's start. You know, let's start with let, let's role play. I mean, as best we can. Like, if I'm saying, if my little boy says, um, <laughs> I, was just, I was just recalling one, uh, an example that maybe is too personal, but just kind of this thing of like the discovery that the penis grows, <laughs> right? So it's right. like if that question comes up, I'm like, holy moly, it grows, and I'm standing in the bedroom like. Uh oh, <laughs> what's like? What's a simple, clear answer to a I don't know five year old of when he brings up the reality that he realizes his penis can grow? That's what your penis has done since the day you were born, <laughs> and I know that, and every grown up knows that boys' penises grow, and they grow because they're touched, and when they're not touched anymore, they go back to their shape. Isn't that amazing? I think he thinks it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I think he does. I gotta okay, so and one of the things I really want to talk about in this episode is really just about kind of the word and the culture and the experience of puberty. So, you know, I mean, I think the word is a funny one. It's scary to most parents because we're all kind of clench our jaw and kind of hold the chair as we know it's coming because we all come through what, where I think I am right now and we are as a family, which is kind of what we call the golden age, this time of our boys aren't toddlers anymore. They've started school. They're coming home with all these independent questions. They don't really dislike us too much and they haven't really started puberty. And so the start and onset of puberty, I think, is really scary for parents because they hear so much from parents ahead of them about how hard it is. I think parents need to know, number one, it goes well for essentially everybody. (laughs) I like that. Um, Number two is that kids need to know that parents want that whole thing to go well for them. Yeah. uh, And guide them through it. Uh, If you ask parents, just what's your first flash idea when I mention the word puberty? Awkward Uh. and pimples. (laughs) 
tend to be two big things that they bring up. And But that's not really the experience of puberty. No, 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 no. There's so many other things. So yeah. when I talk to kids about puberty, I'm trying to make it look exciting. I mean, it's, it's great. Now, I have, you have to remember that a 10-year-old boy, typically, has just mastered his body. I mean, it's he knows it really well. <laughs> it works great. He would like to be taller, of course, uh, and maybe have more privileges. But he is... He knows his body. He's got it. And all of a sudden, it's going to do things that he has no control over. Uh-huh. And so to some degree, it's the loss of control and not knowing what's next that right. that makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. Well, so, okay, so as we think about, let's do some facts. We're just going to, we're going to drive through some facts about puberty to just empower our listeners. Oh, sure. And, and me as a learner <laughs> and a pediatrician and mom. Um, so puberty starts why? Puberty starts... There's an alarm clock set by the birth mother and birth father Mm -hmm. in our brains. (laughs) And that alarm clock is it's purely it's genetic and hormonal. And it's going to trigger a thing to happen in the brain that's going to send a message to your pituitary gland, your main controlling hormone gland um, that's going to set off puberty. Um, And for the most part, it's amazingly steady. I mean, there's an age span for when this is going to happen. Right, so tell it. Like, what is that? Um, for boys, it tends to be around 11 okay. on the average. That the alarm clock goes off. Right. It okay. could, But it could be earlier and it okay. could be later. And there's a reasonable span of normal there. Um, if dads, if the birth dad was later than his peers in going through puberty, yeah. it's often that the son will follow suit. There's yep. some sort of a constitutional delay. Is that not true for women and their girls? Um, girls will take after women. Girls will take after their mothers yeah. more than their dads, and boys will take after their dads uh, in terms of puberty timing. 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 Yeah, because we talk about that with menarche, the first period. Yeah. You know, we, girls typically really follow their moms on that timing. Absolutely. Now, they can, um, chronic illness, yeah. um, big time stress can delay puberty. Puberty. There are not many things that advance it. Right. Uh, it's, mo- it's mostly genetically timed, um, but the average the average for boys is around eleven. Yeah. Okay. And so here I am with my nine year old, and I'm yep. thinking about, you know, I, I as I talk to him about healthcare, I talk to him about a wellness visit. Right. He wants to know about the HPV shot. Right. So I'm talking about <laughs> age eleven, and I mean it's interesting yeah. kind of how we've timed like even the wellness exams sure. and, and our injections and things. So if I'm talking to a nine year old boy about the like that, that con- I love the concept of saying like this 10-year-old has mastered his body and he's going to come into a time where it does things he can't control. So if I want to bring that up and the concepts and pre- preparation, what am I going to – what are some good just tight sound bites for parents that kind of open up some of those little conversations? Not just when their kids bring it up, but what if their kid's really introverted and not bringing it up? What are the kind of things that we as parents could potentially bring up at dinner or in the car or walking to school? Um, most boys and most or many girls are really interested in how tall they're going to be. That is right in there with puberty. Yeah. And, uh, when, when the kids freak out about, is someone going to be looking at my body if I go to a general exam at a healthcare provider, I let them know that number one, the purpose of going is so we can be reassured that we're normal. Yeah. And number two is they can tell us about how tall we might grow. Yeah, you mean the mid-parental height. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, 
so we, you know, it's interesting with the electronic health records now, mid-parental height, we can calculate right after these kids it's, are born because we don't actually need to look at the kid. We just look at mom and dad. Right. And, and we think, right, we were about what? We think about 40 percent of the time we're pretty correct. Right. Right. And the although, rest were al- not. Although we, we, I usually enter into that fact, a factor of when uh, puberty timing. Timing, right. So. Because of height. Um, should we, should yeah. we explain that really quickly since you think height is one of the biggest. Um, so. The, for, I mean, the, the benefit of being a late bloomer, Right. The benefit of a late bloomer, and I that? tell all boys. We do. You do in the office. Bloomer. I do. Um, it, um, it's it's odd because it, in our class where we're talking to boys and their and mostly their dads. Yeah. There's always always uh, two three dads in the audience who they when I have asked what's the thing you remember was the hardest thing about growing up, mm. and they would say being a late bloomer mm-hmm. because you get teased as a boy. Yeah. Girls. The bad thing is to be an early developer for boys, psychologically, socially. For boys, it's being a late one. Hmm. And you get teased a lot. And I try to reframe that and say, I've got great news. First of all, look at... Look at dad. I mean, if you know your birthday, just look at him. He looks pretty normal and he's probably pretty tall. Okay? And you're going to wind up that way. Yeah. Uh, and and number two is that uh, late start, late finish. Yeah. And, um, well, know. and the other thing about I like to talk about late blooming, right, is that, you know, a lot of families are really surprised. So, for example, with girls, you can really – when you look at the growth grid, you know, menarche averages just over the age of 12, meaning the first period. And after the first period comes, kids grow only for about one to two years because right. all those hormones floating around your body close your growth plates. And so the bones just don't get any longer. So when I'm with a girl's growth chart, I can say, look, it kind of like goes way up. And then around 12 to 13, you can see it flat lines, right, yeah. and get straight. And boys, it's a different curve. They take long. They start later, one to two years after girls, and they take longer to do it. So the average guy finishes his growth at 18. I know. That is nuts. That means like when we're trying to buy our kids clothes and we're like, they're growing like a weed. It goes all the way through high school, eating us out of house and home and breaking the bank. And that's average. So some boys definitely grow grow in college. So so, like note to self, right? There might have to be a little emergency clothes fund. You're right. So what do you think people get wrong? Like if... If um, if we're saying, you know, we should maybe start preparing and talking to our kids about losing control of puberty, that they're going to do great, that it's not really acne and angst. It might be great joy and change and um, exciting new things about their bodies. You know, what do, what do you see? What makes it a more challenging puberty? Is there something that you've seen that we could, like— not do we parents well, out there? It's hard to tell people not to be embarrassed because it's sort of natural for people to be that if that's yeah. the way you grew up with your puberty. Number one, I think we just need to let the kids know that I survived, you'll survive. It's uh, there are some things that are a little awkward, like having pimples, but look at my face. I'm an adult. I'm not full of pimples anymore. Yeah, nice, okay? nice way. Not true for everybody, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, adult female acne is really common. Like, no, okay. no to but the women out like there, 50%. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, which is their image. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, I think the other thing a parent can do is tell their child directly their top three things that make them glad they grew up to be an adult. Mm, I like that. How often... Do parents uh, talk about their troubles during the day, the stresses on their life, uh, they're very busy, and how often do we get to actually say to the kids, you know what, you know what I love about being an adult, about why I grew up? Because when I ask the boys, what are they looking forward to? One or two boys, every class, 
can't think of anything mm. that he's looking forward to. Mm. And I think that's something we could fix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I'm going to just do a quick summary. I want you to tell me if I'm wrong in any way. Okay. Puberty is going to happen for everybody, but starts around 11 for boys, but there's a range. So it can start a year too earlier than that. It can start a year too later than that. Right. And it's slower and steadier in some ways than it is for girls because it goes all the way to the time that kids graduate from high school. Correct. During that time, their bodies go through all sorts of changes, increased body odor, right? Increased mm-hmm. hair, increased growth of, of um, their private parts, which we're going to talk about more in the next private. episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is, of course, a result of increased hormones circulating in the body. Right. And, and that's why these things change. Um, and that that alarm clock comes most predictive because of biologic dad's timing. So if you're really looking at timing for puberty in your boy, the smartest place to look is the timing for dad. And to know that we can potentially think about supporting boys who are late bloomers, maybe more intentionally and directly because it's hard for them psychologically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then I want to end talking about the kind of the development of, of kind of feelings and questions and thinking about sexuality and romantic feelings. Because I think there's this, um, at least I, as I've seen elementary school unfolding, there's a lot of dialogue about that with girls. And I don't hear as much dialogue about that with boys of how do we support our boys to understand that their thoughts are normal and natural? How do we support them in their search for understanding those? Maybe online and offline, and I mean, that could be a whole podcast, but um, tell us a little bit about what we should know about the development of thinking about sex, sexuality, and romantic feelings during puberty. One of the hardest times for a boy is sixth, seventh grade. The girls... He's kind of, like, I just want to let everybody know, so Rob has a furrow in his brow. I know. <laughs> like, you're like really furrowing. I remember like, the pain. I'm hurting over I here. I remember the pain. And I hear from boys. I remember all... my big crushes of these boys. And they looked like everything was perfect. Yeah. Brian Hume, are you out there? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like sixth grade dance, like a heart, a flutter. Well, and I remember when Ellen kissed me in the middle of math class. What grade was on that? On the lips. <sighs> sixth grade. Lucky you. That's an early first well, kiss. Well, I actually elevated off the floor about a bit. <laughs> About a foot. Um, but, man, did I get bad uh, reinforcement from, oh. the, from the other boys. Like, ooh, what are you doing? Oh, that's gross. And, you know, I think sixth grade boys are not developmentally there yet um, for that romantic stuff. So do you think uh, the girls think about it earlier? Yeah. Okay. I think so. And, f- and at least girls have moved through their puberty and body awareness issues mm-hmm. a little earlier than yeah. boys. So then what's changing with the brain can actually start with them. Boys are still going through that body stuff uh, and tend to be a little later. So boys will still go, ooh, gross. Yep. When girls are beginning to think about feelings, uh, crushes, not to say that no boys will feel crushes. So, uh, one of the most wonderful questions I got from the boys is, um, "I am eleven. I have never been in love. Will I ever?" <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a big life in front of them. <laughs> it's a big, big life. Yeah. Um, so, so, but yeah. so, when we help our kids, kind of normalizing the mm-hmm. timing. So it might be late, it might be early, it might be like you know, I have a coworker, um, you know, who who has a feeling right that her son's going through it really early. I have coworkers who feel like their sons are going through it really late. Right? Mm-hmm. How do we, you know, are there certain questions or topics that like what can I say in the car? Yeah. That's just kind of like, hey, Finny, you know, it's my son. Yeah. Um, 
that isn't kind of punitive. Like, there's part of me that want, doesn't want to say, like, do you have a crush? Like, who do you have a crush on? Okay. Or, For boys, a nice way to do it is to not do the direct question. Right. I know. I Are you having see. sex? Oh, my God. Uh, or, oh, my or, God. I'm not going to be asking that. <laughs> or, be very clear. Or have you ever had a crush? I mean, it's a whole lot nicer, particularly when you're in the car, which is a, a great safe way. safe place, a good, yeah. very safe place. I, I, eyes can be averted in I, any oh, direction. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know when the conversation is going to end, which is yeah, when, when you get stops. to your destination, yeah. <laughs> um, is uh, to say something like, hey, Finney, you know what I heard from so-and-so that their son told her that he uh-huh. has a crush on so-and-so? Uh-huh. Okay, well then you pause and wait for uh, for Finney's response. Yeah. If he rolls his eyes and says, "This is the perfect use of the rearview mirror." Yes. <laughs> Who knew? What and are and ro- yeah. rolls his eyes and said, "Mom, everybody has crushes." It's you know, it's like he's telling you he's past there. Yeah, right. You can engage I can, that conversation. I can go to level two. Yep. Yeah. Or if he uh, disengages, doesn't want to talk, or says, you know, I, this is like a foreign topic for him, mm-hmm. you know he's not there yet. Yeah. And, and he, you got your answer without necessarily asking the direct question. It's a really so nice avoiding way. Avoiding direct questions. Um, and and just kind of and using others as an example. I mean, like the thing of like Absolutely. my friend has this problem, Doctor yeah, Layman. Sort of like, <laughs> like <that. laughs> she has an ST an STD. <laughs> I, she's going to use this treatment. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we are going to conclude here. This is a you know we've been chatting a bit about puberty in general, but puberty in boys. My big takeaway is look to bio dad for timing on puberty. Ask direct questions. Keep your answers like you're talking on Twitter. Really short. Use any questions or experiences that your kids bring up as little times to talk about it. Oh, and a big deal. Always reassure your boy that he's normal. Yes. He needs to hear it over and over and over again. Yeah. We as healthcare providers do it all the time. You as parents absolutely need to yeah. do it all the time. Do you think that we should be telling our kids they're normal like every couple days? Uh, yeah, in some respect. Like um, if the kid goes, oh, I don't like my hair, you can go, well, okay, that's normal. Some people got that yeah. type of hair. Or um, I'm not tall enough. Or why don't I have hair growing on as a mustache, whereas the other kids? And you can say, oh, that's normal. Some kids are earlier and some kids are later. Yeah. I mean, you always have a chance to say that's normal because the kids have a very narrow frame of world. You as an adult have a wider frame of world to know what normal is. Yeah. I'm here with Dr. Rob Lehman, who's an emeritus professor of pediatrics and adolescent medicine. He's been practicing for decades with teenagers in all different sorts of settings, so juvenile detention, homeless centers, clinics, hospitals, and he's part of Great Conversations, a class and online resource to help parents really support their kids, understand their bodies, their sexuality, and the changes that happen in the middle, early part of life. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. You know, the reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 